Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. Off-season update and Super Bowl XLIX. That's 49, retrospective. It's Hakun Wong, Editor-in-Chief from Football Garbage Time. And back with me this week is Ryan Whitfield. We missed him last week, but that's because he was touring all of Europe. And now he's back with more NFL news. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing great, Scott. You know, it was, it was a great trip, but it's always great to get back stateside. So uh, it's, it's nice oh, having yeah. to come well, yeah. the Western world. <laughs> you say that, but you can't. You can't fool me. I know you miss it. I know you miss it. I, I miss um, parts of it. I don't. I, I definitely like being being back at my home, though, for sure. Yeah, and and I, and I know that you're watching your Bruins right now. So uh, that's. I know that's important. <laughs> it's hard to get Bruins coverage over there when you're over in uh, Europe. So I, I get it. I get it. I'm watching my Blackhawks closely too. All right, so we got a lot of news to talk about today. We're going to be talking about the new NFL rule changes that were voted on today. Um, at the annual league meeting in Phoenix. We're going to talk about some of the prospects uh, of some of these uh, older veterans that are looking for a landing spots out in free agency. And then we're going to go ahead and do a little bit of a history lesson again, talking about Super Bowl 49 between the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks. I'm sure that everybody still remembers how that one ended up. Uh, and actually the, the hero of that Super Bowl is at uh, pretty much in the center of the news now because – Malcolm Butler, looking like he's in between the Saints and the Patriots, looks like both sides are trying to call each other's bluffs, but uh, could be on the move this offseason. Really interesting move. Let me ask you about that before we jump into it. What do you think about Malcolm Butler going to the to the New Orleans Saints, if that yeah, happens? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I to, to ride the fence here, um, you know, I, I understand both sides of it. Um, I understand the Patriots typically – you know, they, they believe in the system. They believe in the rules of the system. And they're not going to pay, you know, for, for better or for worse, the Patriots are not going to pay a restricted free agent unrestricted money. Um, and I understand why Malcolm, who's made about $900,000 in his first three years, would want right. that. Um, right. But I also think, and this is not to sound like a Patriot honk, and I love Malcolm Butler. I think he deserves to get paid. The one yep. thing I would caution Malcolm Butler to, to consider or to remember is that they did kind of pull him out of Popeye's chicken. He was a nobody, and they did give him a <laughs> yeah. shot. That doesn't mean he yep. owes them the world. It doesn't mean he owes them to not get paid. But, you know, if I was him, I would just play this year on the on the restricted tender, the three-point whatever, eight million, and then I'd go yep. cash in next year. Um, yep. They don't want to go to the Saints. They've, they've had, you know, they're, they're, they're a typical dome team. They're not a... They're not a real contender in my mind, and they're and they're far away from it. And Breeze is going to retire by the time they're a contender again. So, um, if I'm if I'm him, I'm not I'm not just jumping to the Saints before you know I really can test out a completely open market next year. Yeah, no, I I think that would be really interesting because they'll have multiple bidders at that point. They could certainly drive the price up. All he needs to do is bet on himself for one more year. He's still going to get paid, you know, this year, and it won't be as much as if he he went to the Saints probably, but still. And who knows what's going to happen going forward. I mean, I don't think the Patriots will overpay for him either. But um, yeah, it will be worth uh, keeping an eye on. But uh, we'll be talking a little bit more about him when we talk about Super Bowl 49. So let's go ahead and, uh, and get this thing rolling. Uh, 
Okay, so the first thing we want to talk about today are the new NFL rule changes that were just voted on, as we said before, at the annual league meeting in Phoenix. So there are several rule changes that were approved by the owners today, but the one that has kind of kind of popped out and made the headlines is the new rule that prohibits players from jumping over or leaping over offensive linemen during kicks. Now, the Philadelphia Eagles proposed this rule change, but it was backed by the NFL Players Association, who were concerned about player safety in those situations. Now, of the combined 41 blocked field goal attempts and PATs in 2016, three of them actually came from players jumping over the line, and that's per NFL research. One was by Seattle. One, I'm sure you recall, was uh, by New England's Shea McClellan on a field goal block against the Ravens, and then there was also Denver Justin Simmons. Uh, with one against the Saints, which actually turned into a two-point conversion. So uh, these things can change the uh, the way games go. They definitely do have impact on games. So what are your thoughts about this new rule change prohibiting players from jumping over offensive linemen during kicks? Yeah, so I, you know, I, I came in on that first topic on the fence. For the rest of the show, it's all fiery hot takes for me. Um, this is so stupid. <laughs> I'm so sick of the league that buried concussions for 20 years spewing their crap about about player safety that that plays a player safety concern get the hell out of here it's just it's another example of the no fun league the league that's basically banned <laughs> celebrations from it the, the league that anytime something cool starts happening that it, they've eliminated kickoffs and, and now now they're you know that which was an exciting dynamic play basically um and, and now now they're eliminating this play it, it is absolutely horse crap and also i will say by the way there should have been four of those plays last year because Shea McClellan in, in the Super Bowl was absolutely not a penalty. But, uh, but of course, it was called <laughs> one. Um, okay. But, and this is not a Patriot honk thing because the first time we ever saw it, I think, was three years ago in the playoffs um, when Cam Chancellor did it to Carolina. And it was electric. Right. And it was a play where I, where I almost, you know, where I kind of really started to fall in love with Cam Chancellor. And I said, what a freak that guy is. If you have the athleticism to jump another human and time it, and jump up again to block a field, an extra point. That play should be allowed a thousand times out of a thousand. This is a stupid rule, and it's another it's another example of what, although I love the sport and I love the competition of the sport. That and while God, Goodell has grown the sport, the things he's done to the sport over the last ten years have not been good for the sport. And this is another one of them. You take out another exciting dynamic play. I just I don't understand it. Right, so I agree. I agree. It is taking out an exciting, dynamic play. But you know, the NFL Players Association did back this. The president, um, offensive lineman Eric Winston, did mention that he thought that the jumper actually puts himself in a bad spot because he can land kind of on his head, and the people getting jumped over can be in a bad spot because they be landed on. And he thought there was some uh, potential for injury there. I mean, do you think this actually? You think there actually was like a significant potential for injury there? I mean, that the fact that the NFL Players Association voted for it seems to mean that they they kind of want it. Okay, then why haven't we outlawed uh, player running backs hurdling guys on the sideline? Well, Garrett Blunt at 270 pounds hurdling. I don't even remember who it was on the Dolphins in week three, in week two this year. That that couldn't have that guy couldn't have caused an injury. Uh-huh. Like it's just it's just it's a crap thing. I mean. And, and, and the penalties already existed that if you touch the guy, it, I mean, if you touch mm-hmm. a lineman when doing it, it it's a penalty. Yep. So they already had a safe, go, a safe you know, gate in there. Um, and you know what? If you watch that play, the only guys who are trying it, I, I think I've seen it called back once or twice. I mean, the, the Patriot in the Super Bowl was not called because he hit him. It was because they called him lined up over the center, which he was lined up off the line. Not to keep picking that uh, net. But, um, <laughs> right. he, uh, you know, that the, the amount of times the guy actually clips him, because you know what? 
the coaches are pretty smart in the NFL. And if they got a player who's only got a 50-50 shot of getting clearing the line, they're not going to run the play. They only run it so far with guys that are guaranteed to do it. Um, so, again, so if you're going to start doing that, then, then start out long hurdling. And I better start seeing a 15-yard flag every single time somebody tries to hurdle a, a defender down the sideline because it's, it's, it's literally the same play. Well, certainly going to raise some eyebrows uh, coming next season. A lot of people do think it's an exciting play, and it does does change the impact. It does impact the outcome of several games uh, throughout the the years, including Cam Chancellor and, and multiple blocked kicks over the years. Uh, in but with what he's done by getting over the uh, getting over the offensive lineman, but. But what's done is done. That's gone. And uh, there are a couple of the rule changes that have been voted on. Now, they, actually, there were a couple that were pretty interesting that were tabled and, and denied. And I actually want to ask you about that, Ryan, because one of them was actually a proposed shorten of the overtime uh, for preseason and regular season games to 10 minutes instead of 15. Now, that was tabled for a later discussion. Uh, so it wasn't voted on. You know, any thoughts on that, about shortening overtime to 10 minutes from 15? Yeah, I absolutely hate that. Um... You know, we, we talked about it. My biggest defense of the way the overtime is is that um, is that it doesn't happen very often that there's a tie. You start you start shortening it to 10 minutes, and you're going to start seeing, you know, multiple ties every single year um, and probably right. a handful of them because there's plenty of times, you know, to go, you know, teams go 10 minutes without scoring on both sides of the ball. Um, it's, not, right. it's not as often that you see an entire quarter without a team scoring. So, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's, a, that's an awful rule. Um, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if, if it's the alternative between that or the college system, which you know I hate the college system, I love it for the college game, but I'd hate it in the NFL. But if those are my two choices, then I'm taking the college system. I don't want to see ten minute overtimes. Yeah. So Stephen Jones, the executive vice president and CEO of the Cowboys, who's also a member of the NFL Competition Committee, actually had the same thoughts that you did, and he actually spoke out against it, saying that you know it doesn't make sense uh, in order to shorten it because really we're kind of shortening the opportunity for both teams to get a chance to touch the ball. Uh, now that doesn't always happen, but you know if you have a 10 minute 10 minute overtime, uh, a team and he used his own team, the Dallas Cowboys, who have a good running game, may be able to just run out the clock with a 10 minute drive, and that wouldn't be fun for anybody. So there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of people talking on both sides of that. Some people want to shorten it because they want to um, they want to limit the expo- the uh, kind of uh, exposure of extra game time to players. But really, five more minutes, I don't think that's going to make much of a difference. So we'll see how that turns out. The other one that I thought was interesting was the Washington Redskins proposed that if in a kickoff, the kicker puts the ball through the uprights, that the ball gets placed at the 20 instead of the 25. Now, that was, uh, that, was, uh, that failed. That didn't actually pass. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I love that one. Um, I, I've heard a lot of people call it stupid. I don't get why it's stupid. I think it... Again, they've eliminated that play from contention. For the most part, most teams just bang it out of the back of the end zone. Um, you know, a couple of smart teams last year were smart enough to start doing the, you know, the with the talented enough kickers to do the, you know, drop it in the five, the five yeah, yard range and it, and then pinning them. Mm-hmm. But if you give the other option of of kicking it through, I mean, it's not it's not a luck play. I mean, that's precision, that's skill, that's that strength of leg. Um, so it's not a it's not a a gimmick play to me. To me, that's a, that's a good play, and they're a talented play, and I'd like to see that. So, Yep. All right. I, and I, I totally agree, and I think that would be kind of fun, and that gives it's another skill set that your kicker can, uh, can can impact the game with. I don't see why they didn't do that. I mean, five more yards, I mean, it, why not add it? I don't know what the downside was, but it, it didn't pass, so <laughs> we're left to all kind of wonder what would have happened. All right, so on to the next topic, which is actually a couple uh, prospects for prospects, so to speak. You know, what is, what's going on with some of these veterans who are out there in free agency, and what, 
what's going to happen to them? Number one on that list has got to be Colin Kaepernick. You know, obviously he had um, a down year in uh, 2015 and got benched. He had six touchdowns and five interceptions in just nine games, leading to him actually getting benched for the lights of Blaine Gabbert, which is really, really terrible. Uh, in 2016, he came back and he played a little bit. He did put in uh, 12 games worth, 2,241 yards, 16 touchdowns, only four INTs, 468 rush yards, and two rushing touchdowns. He was an average quarterback during that time, so it wasn't terrible. But um, he, ever since he's opted out of his contract on March 3rd, he's had basically no suitors at all, not even the Cleveland Browns. Who want to talk to him? As Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer reports that the Browns have no desire to pursue Mr. Kaepernick. So uh, the, the 49ers GM John Lynch did say that there was a team close to signing him at the time that he opted out of his deal, uh, and it fell through apparently. <laughs> but he did tell us who that was, and now he's kind of uh, kind of floating out there. There were reports earlier. Uh, in the day that he was perhaps looking for a chance to compete for a starting job. There aren't many of those left, and he was looking for 9 to $10 million. Uh, There was another report later on in the day that said that's completely false. He's not looking for that much money. doesn't really matter because no one's actually uh, looking. So what do you think? What's going on with Colin Kaepernick? Yeah, it's just – it's honestly just this um... – you know, I think we've, we've stayed away or pretty, been pretty calm on the topic so far. But, um, you know, I think I think it has everything to do with his protest last year. I think it's all about, you know, people don't want to touch it. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where it kind of comes to a risk-reward or, or skill versus, um, you know, the, the trouble off the field and what's it worth. And I think that for whatever reason and for, for you know, whatever your opinion is on it, you know, personally, um, I'm not one of those people that believe that the American flag just symbolizes the military, which has turned into he's been disrespectful to the military. I think it's a, it's more of a symbol of the whole country, and I think that he's you know trying to voice his opinions about some things going on. Um, but you know, I think what that does is it creates almost a controversy. And you know, if the, if the players, if this is Colin Kaepernick that led the 49ers to the Super Bowl in 2012, I don't think it's a big enough deal. But I think the fact that right. his skills seem to have diminished. Um, I think we talked about it last year. There's a lot of reports out there that his speed and his strength and his ability have gone down since he switched to an all-vegan diet. Um, yep. You know, I think that, um, that you know, we've, and we've seen that over the last couple of years, so maybe that's kind of what's going on with him and why his athletic set doesn't seem as good as it used to be. Um, but, again, I think it's just a risk-reward thing. You know, if, if you have the baggage but you have the talent, you know, and you're playing like you were in 2012, everyone would sign you. But when you have the baggage and your talent doesn't seem to, you know, grant um, teams the ability to – to say, well, turn a blind eye to all that, you know, so when you're bringing in a controversy and somebody who's kind of a project, you know, what's, what's the point? Right, and it's been a while. You know, his last big year was 2014, where he put up 19 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, 639 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. So, you know, he was decent back then, and then he kind of fell off a cliff. But he was trending down even from there, because 2013 really was his pinnacle, where he had his best passer rating, and he also had his best touchdown-interception ratio, and the his most uh, productive rushing uh, rushing games. So really, at this point, I, you know, I, I do think that there is some element of let's avoid the off-field issues, but I do think that it's just a diminished skill set, and he only works in certain uh, programs. I mean, there's only certain offenses that w- can that will work with a, a, a quarterback like Colin Kaepernick. You know, he can't you can't slot him in to any offense, particularly an offense that's more a pro style under center offense in which you're going to be more of a pocket passer. I mean, that's not Colin Kaepernick's game. And, uh, you know, you, you got to think, you know, 
it's got to be fit, too. It's, it's not just simply what are his numbers, what are his stats, what do I think about his political views. It's, you know, is there a fit? And, um, you know, really the, there's only the Browns and the Texans left, really, at this point, looking for anybody. And I don't think he fits in either of those systems. So uh, with that said, Colin Kaepernick, let's turn the page to another veteran. That is Tony Romo. Tony Romo made obviously big news when he uh, apparently showed up to camp overweight last year, but it was just a, basically an optical illusion, but then progressed to get injured immediately, leaving the door open to Dak Prescott, who basically wowed the world and became um, probably one of the best uh, rookie quarterbacks that we've seen in a long time. So now we have Tony Romo and his saga because there was talk that he was going to be released earlier this month. I mean, there was serious talk that the Cowboys were just going to go ahead and release him because they wanted to give him an opportunity to find a place to go play, and that was reported back on March 8th. But here we are sitting on March 28th, and he still has not been released. So what's been going on? Well, all this time has gone by, and it looks like the Dallas Cowboys are trying to up the, the uh, up the uh, the trade uh, value somehow they're trying to get a pick out of the out of uh, the suitors including the the Denver Broncos uh, and perhaps the Houston Texans now the Broncos have come right out and said we're not interested in fact uh, Broncos head coach Vance Joseph said uh, today that Tony Romo is a quote non-issue that quote we haven't had one meeting about Romo so if that's true. And, uh, and John Elway has indicated that he has no intent to pursue Romo, even if he is released. It looks like the Houston Texans are the only place he's going, and they seem to be standing fast as well, even though they're well-situated after managing to uh, rid themselves of the albatross known as Brock Osweiler. So what are your thoughts about Tony Romo? Where should he go? What should he do? And do you think he's just going to get released, or do you think they're going to find a trade partner? Yeah, I don't know that they find a trade partner. I, I think the, diff- the, you know, the hard part with Tony Romo is, is that you know, you know, invariably you're getting a rental. Um, this is not somebody who's going to be playing for five to ten years. You know, you get a couple right. good years out of them. Um, and so you hear a lot of the Peyton Manning comparisons because of where Peyton Manning was in his career. Well, the only difference is, you know, as much as Peyton Manning was prone to, you know, uh, having diarrhea down his leg in big moments, he had at least risen <laughs> to the top one. Sure, sure, it was against, you know, uh, <laughs> Rex Grossman led Bears. But, um, yeah. you know, he still did do it at least once. And, you know, and if, regardless of what I think about Peyton Manning, especially in big games, he was a Hall of Famer. Um, so you right. can justify that move for them. Um, but especially, you know, if I'm, if I'm the Broncos, I look at it right now, and, you know, I say, well, you know, we just went through that for a couple of years. The difference is we probably don't win a championship with Romo, uh, you know, right. doing this for a couple of years. So in a couple of years, we'll be back in the same spot. But this time, we'll be one title less than we had, you know, through the last time we did it. Um, so I think a lot of teams are, are seeing that, and I think I think there was so much kind of chatter and excitement about Romo uh, being released that that's kind of why the, the Cowboys pulled back and tried to trade him now. But I think the reason why it's stalling is they're probably finding out that there's not a great market for him. Um, you know, so the only place it really makes sense to me is L.A. Um, L.A. For the, wow, for the Rams, to okay. just just to, because it's a publicity stunt. I mean, why else are you bringing him in? He's not the quarterback of the future. I don't think – I think unless you have an all-time defense and an amazing running game, um, you know, if you, unless you have both of those two factors, you're not going to win a championship with them. So the only reason you bring them in is to put asses in the seat. And the one place that they could use that is the L.A. Rams right now. Um, obviously mm-hmm. not the Chargers because they'll throw it over. So, um, 
you know, that's that would be my dark horse. I mean, maybe the Texans reach for him, but I still like a lot of the skill set of Tom Savage. Um, and I actually thought he played decent when he was in there last year. If if I'm the if I'm the Texans and I'm looking long term, I'm not I'm not taking two steps back, you know, to to be a little bit better, maybe a little bit more competitive. Because are you getting past the Patriots next year? Are you getting past? I mean, even a team like the Dolphins who have improved. Are you getting past the Steelers? Like you're still the AFC South. You know, you're, you're still a second tier citizen in the, in the AFC. Um, right. So it doesn't put you over the hump, in my opinion. So. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go get him. I would if any team that has any kind of you know reclamation project or, or draft somebody this year, that's where I'm going with it. Yeah, I think that if he gets released, it's probably the Texans that will try and grab him because he will want to stay there. But uh, honestly, I think he might end up uh, being a being a commentator for Fox Sports or CBS because they've already asked him to. They've already offered him the position. It's sitting out there. Uh, and he has a personality, so I don't see why he just doesn't go on and become a television analyst. I mean, really, uh, people like watching him, and, and I don't see a reason why he, he should come back. And you know, he's not really proven that he can take any team anywhere. So as much as he's a good quarterback, uh, I just don't think he's going to be enough to put any of those teams over the hump. All right, let's go to our last guy that we want to talk about, and that is Adrian Peterson. Now, all day has been <laughs> available on the market basically all day without any interest at all. Uh, initially, there were some thoughts that maybe he might look at the Patriots because of the fact that uh, he would be willing to pay for a discount. But then it was then the NFL Network came out and said, "There's nothing going on there, guys. There's absolutely no no nothing going on there." So that kind of died down. Then there was some news that maybe you go to the Raiders or the Seahawks, but then the Seahawks signed Eddie Lacy, so that's gone. Uh, maybe the Raiders. Now the Raiders are talking about taking on Marshawn Lynch. Anyway, that that's kind of died down a little bit as well. So. You know, the Vikings have signed Latavius Murray. Adrian Peterson definitely is out. He's definitely not going to get re-signed. Even the Packers uh, had mulled a visit, according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, but then they decided against it. They decided they didn't even want a visit of Adrian Peterson. There was a report that he was looking for $8 million in a new contract, but then he came out on Twitter and said that's just crap. He's just looking for a new deal uh, and finding the, the best fit to helping a team win a championship, and those are his main objectives, and he's in no rush Oh, boy. So, Adrian Peterson, what do you think? Is there any place left for him? Does he have anything left in the tank, or should he just retire? He should go away forever. Um, I've made <laughs> my, my opinions on Adrian Peterson very, very clear on the show multiple times. Somehow somehow what he did has been swept under the rug as, as, as you know, oh, just southern, you know, southern upbringing. He just beat, you know, he just, he you know, whatever, um, used physical discipline on his child. Yeah. Um, again, yeah. go back and read read the police report he stripped he, he stripped him naked shoved leaves in his mouth put him in a dark room and beat him naked which is which is borderline perverse if not sexual assault so adrian peterson right. didn't just use use southern upbringing on his son he did something perverted and, and weird and manipulative and anyone who supports him um i have no respect for um i don't think he deserves to be on an nfl team and at the end of the day he's 32 he hasn't been good the last two seasons and he wants to go help a team win a championship i think if, if I'm ranking, you know, the top the top skills or the top important qualities of a championship team, if not number one, then it's number two is ball security. And this is a guy who can't hold on to the ball. Even when he's good, he can't hold on to the ball. He he cost them, a, you know, the game against the Seahawks a couple years ago when Cam Chancellor uh, stripped him in the playoffs in that brutally cold game in Minnesota. Um, so that's nice. He wants to take less money and go help help a team win a championship. If I'm a good team. I don't. I'm not bringing in a guy with fumble history who's who's you know on the wrong side of 30 as a running back. So um, right, right. I, he's another one. I, I don't I don't see a fit for him anywhere. 
I mean, it would be it would be the most Raider move to go sign him because um, while they've seemed to turn around the last couple of years for 30 years, they've signed all the wrong people, made all the dumb moves. Um, and, you know, with the whole Latavius Murray gone, um, you know, I could see Mark Davis being the type of guy to bring him in. But, um, you know, realistically, I don't think there's a real market out for them out, out from there. Um, and he better not be asking for $8 million because I'd be surprised if he gave more than two years at $2 million, if that. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And then there were some news reports that, uh, you know, obviously he tweeted out uh, all the interesting moves in, uh, in, uh, in the New York Giants uh, roster. And, the, and uh, the, the prevailing wisdom, by, according to the New York Daily News, is that the Giants are not an option because of the PR nightmare they had with Josh Brown last year, that the last thing they want is somebody like Peterson with his kind of PR issues. Uh, you know, based on the incident that you just talked about there, Ryan. And, of course, Lions GM Bob Quinn actually no- noted that he thought that Adrian Peterson does have something left in the tank, and he has mentioned that he does want to improve his running uh, attack. So it's possible. Maybe it's something he'll look at, to, look into, but nothing has developed yet, and it's likely that Adrian Peterson is going to have to wait until after the draft until anything pops up as an opportunity anywhere. So, all right, let's go ahead and ring the bell on that one because we want to get to the final thing that we want to talk about today, which is our history lesson, Super Bowl 49 between the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks. Now, all of you probably remember this game because of the way it ended with the New England Patriots winning 28-24 to uh, on a essentially goal line stand as at that point in time, rookie Malcolm Butler steps in front of Ricardo Lockett to pick off Russell Wilson's pass, complete one of the craziest Super Bowl finishes of all time, and giving, uh, giving the Patriots their fourth Super Bowl win. Now, there's a lot of things here to talk about, including Brady surpassing Joe Montana's mark on Super Bowl touchdown passes, etc., and, of course, the performance of some, uh, some unknown folks like Chris Matthews, who's basically disappeared after that. But uh, tell me, what are your thoughts? about the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 49. What do you remember from that, and what are your takeaways from that Super Bowl? Yeah, you know, I'm a big-picture kind of guy. Um, and this is the Super Bowl to me that just proves that everyone out there um, who tries to take away from the Patriots are, you know, in my opinion, just, just bitter losers. Um, at the end of the day, I have, a, I have a firm belief that you can go back to any game in pretty much every sport, you know, unless aside from the blogs. But for most games, you can go back and you can pick out plays and say, well, if this didn't happen or if that didn't happen, you know. And when I was younger and a little bit more of a homer, I did it for years with the 07 Super Bowl and said, oh, that ball was just out of Randy Moss's hands on, on, the, on, the, you know, on the fly route at the end there. If they had just yep. not put Ellis Hobb on him or if Tyree hadn't made that catch. But at the end of the day, you win the game you're supposed to win, you lose the one you're supposed to win, or lose the right. one you're supposed to lose. Um, you know, so... Yeah, was it a horrible call to run the ball? I mean, to pass the ball when you got Marshawn Lynch in the backfield? Absolutely. But you're not even down there if Jermaine Curse doesn't make an absolutely ridiculous circus catch before it. Yeah, and it was amazing. That's that's honestly that's the biggest moment that stood out to me because I was in a room with a full of my best friends, and you know we're we're at the age you know in our late 20s here, um, where I was 13, you know the first time the Patriots won the Super Bowl, and then I was 15 and 16 and. You know, those are ones you watch with your parents still, and you're still kind of at the house with the adult Super Bowl party. And so my entire adulthood life, none of me and my friends got to watch the Patriots win the Super Bowl together. And when Curse made that catch, we looked at each other, borderline tears, in dismay, and said, we're going to lose another effing Super Bowl on another effing circus catch. <laughs> like, I ask you how about many that. times? 
how many times can this happen to us? I mean, literally, it was like, it was like this, this sad defeat of like, how is this happening again? And then Malcolm yep. makes the play, and you know, I think beers were spilled all over the floor. We were crying on each other's shoulders. It was, um, you know, and so the one thing I'll say about Malcolm, though, because you know, I hear this all the time, how he was a nobody before that. Um, I think you know how diehard I am at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I was severely impressed with Malcolm Butler in the preseason that year. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, not, not to pretend that I knew he was ever going to do what he did, but Malcolm Butler was not a nobody to me um, because he was a scrappy player, and he is a scrappy player still. I mean, he's not a very big guy. He's not the most He's not the quickest, not the most athletic, but, you know, the Odell Beckham play in the back of the end zone, you know, two years ago in the regular season where he knocks the ball out of his hands at the very last yep. second. That's Malcolm Butler. And he played like yep. that in the preseason that year, and then he didn't play a lot in the regular season. But when he started making – he made quite a few plays in the fourth quarter, actually, for the Patriots. So the big one everyone remembers is that. But he made a quite a, other, a lot of other plays, and he actually had pretty good defense on the curse catch. And curse right. luckily bounced off his legs. So um, it was yep. a great play, but, you know, if you go back and watch the game, Malcolm Butler had a pretty important fourth quarter. I think he had two or three passes defensed um, and a pass breakup or two um, down that stretch before he made that play. So he, he was big at that moment, but big down the stretch too. Yeah, and I really felt like the Patriots dominated that first half, but somehow ended up tied 14-14 to the last-second touchdown gamble uh, by the uh, Seahawks. So the Seahawks did actually play a relatively strong game, and Jeremy Lane getting injured uh, near the beginning of the game, and, and Therrell Simon stepping in and getting torched by Brady the rest of the way definitely impacted them. But uh, what a great Super Bowl. It was fun. Yeah, and the Patriots definitely uh, definitely earned it. So we're down to the last couple seconds here. So, Ryan, give us your Twitter account so they can follow you. Yeah, at Ryan Whitfield, N-E, and on Instagram, at football underscore garbage underscore time. Great, and you can follow me at FB Garbage Time, and we'll be back next week with more news, off-season information, and probably some mock draft information. Until then, enjoy the rest of your NFL week. <laughs>